I don't believe concussion is unique and that it, it shakes us up. I think just to get into a car is like so intense. Like, I don't know, people tend to take for granted, but like, it's like so intense actually for like an organism. Like you take a cat, like I think of animals as a really good kind of baseline for us, for our biology. It's like, why would I leave home if there's food right here? <laughs> like, <laughs> go where for what? Like, you want me to get in this big metal box that's going really fast around the neighborhood? Like, that's terrifying, you know? Welcome back to I'm the Villain. So today we are going to be talking with Rozzy, who is... Somebody who I actually literally just like follow on Instagram. We went to college together, but like we didn't really like <laughs> talk to each other in college. But I, you know, was I literally randomly kind of saw one of Rozzy's Instagram lives where, you know, he was talking about this really intense um, experience that he had, you know, basically being concussed um, after after we graduated. And I wanted to invite him on to talk about some of that. Um, so Rozzy, if you could please just tell the audience, give a short introduction, whatever you think the people should know about you. Hello. Um, my name is Rozzy and, um, I've been blessed in this life with a body and a mind. Um, I grew up all over the world, uh, between the Middle East, the East Coast, and, um, after school, made my way to California, where I continued to explore the wounds that haunted me from childhood, uh, which were how to fit in, how to belong, how to feel strong, uh, and not be judged as a man or a boy. Uh, and um, pushing the frontiers of the mind and the body, I found them. <laughs> <laughs> And, um, you know, those concussions that I received um, were useful grounding points to remind me of my mortality and my morality, you know, of like the things that really matter. Um, and um, I'm grateful to have space to chat because it's one of those things that it's like such a huge part of who I am that people don't usually know, I think, because it's in invisible injury um so to speak it can be like hard to even communicate uh, and i think it's way more present than we know i think the symptoms of concussion are time delayed and sometimes invisible even to the recipient of the concussion like sometimes you don't even know that you've been experiencing all these depression symptoms because your brain organ is like really fatigued and needs rest. And, uh. Um, so, uh, Rozzy, <laughs> we were just talking about how, uh, we, I've been having one of those days where I feel like I just like, I'm on the computer so much where my eyes are like burning. <laughs> And one of the things that I feel like I, you know, how like there's some people who you just like, you know, like you, you kind of like know tangentially, but like your social media serves you a lot of their content. Like, I feel like everyone has people like that, you know, 
And so like, you're the person for me that that is the case. And I'm always so jealous of the fact that you're always like outside doing things and I feel like I never am outside. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> um, it's funny because I feel like I spend a lot of time inside and in shelter too. Um, but yeah, a non-trivial part of that is, you know, the perhaps seed story that initiated um, this conversation which is the concussions that I experienced in the eyes in particular and their sensitivity to light, um, especially computer light. Um, so yeah, the eyes are probably the most dominant lingering symptom of concussion that I would describe. Um, think of the eyes as one of our most important organs. And For me, with the concussion, they became so sensitive that I could hardly open my eyes. Because every single artificial light, whether it's the little like LED on your Wi-Fi box, or the, the cell phone screen, or like the cars outside, everyone felt like a laser beam pointing directly at my eyes, like it hurt. Like it hurt, you know? And it was the kind of hurt where like just a little contact would just like migrate for a long time. Wow. Um, I'm surprised that it's only artificial light. Like, what do you think it is? What do you think it is about artificial light that, that sets it off? That's been the story of my studies for like a couple of years now. <laughs> is this question precisely, you know, is like, why does um, light that's created by a machine differ in such a non-trivial way yeah from the light that we grew up with that we evolved with. Um, grew up as a species you know <laughs> um because i think it's true of everybody and for me fluorescent light is a really potent example because it has like this fan behind me like a particular frequency mm. like mm -hmm. i think it vibrates at a certain time interval this is the research that people say um mm -hmm. that Okay, let me, let me rewind. Um, the eyes connect directly to the brain. They're one of our, you know, in a sense, organ, like the neural, it's like plugs directly. So you can think of the brain as like an electric neuronal circuit. And light is just one form of electricity. So the light that we receive through our eyes is programming our minds. Is it like input sequence? It's like we're constantly receiving this input that's like, triggering some pattern in the brain that's then causing, you know, personality and behavior and consciousness. And um, it's possible that there are qualities of light that vibrate in a way that's disharmonious with our organism, with our biology. Like, we, you know, mm -hmm. people talk mm -hmm. about blue light. The sun releases light in a different ways throughout the day. Like the quality of light is so different in the sunrise, in the midday, in the mid-afternoon. Like it's different. It feels different. And you'll notice that if you take a day, like, I don't know, on vacation at the beach, it's like everyone kind of wants to nap around the same time. Or there's like a wave that hits people where like people take turns napping for like group alertness. But yeah, there's certain kinds of like fluorescent light in particular. I've started to view it like a grow light. Yeah. Like it, it, it um, like, you know, people put, like, artificial lights on plants so that they grow nonstop. Mm -hmm. I think of it as, 
you know, I see the way a lot of people are living now in fluorescent machines that have them working like all day outside of the seasons. You know, mm -hmm. the, the sun sets at like 6 p.m. right now where I'm at. And if you're in an artificial light box, like you might miss the whole day, so to speak. It's just there's like yeah. one rhythm. Sorry, that's probably a better way to say it. It's like there's a, a tempo to light. There's a tempo to moonlight. And this is the origins of astrology, too, is that the planets also release a light. And that light has a tempo. So like the Vedic astrology, they call it Jyotish, the science of light, is the story that the different, all the astrological light sources influence us in some way. Hmm. Have you found, I don't know how much research you've done, but is this kind of a common lasting symptom of a concussion that like someone might have the sensitivity? Yeah, from what I've seen, sensitivity to light and motion are because these are our primary stimulus, right? So it's like people get overwhelmed, mm. which is kind of like a. Um, it tells us about the nature of the brain, right? That the brain as an organ has it's like I think of it as like a little city, and um, that city has like garbage collection, <laughs> and it gets traffic, and when you receive like a big earthquake and the bridges break and you can no longer pick up the garbage, it piles up in the streets. And then even later when you're recovered, like people have learned not to trust the garbage collection. <laughs> so it's like different neighborhoods develop their own improvised ways. And I think because light is both hugely, like artificial light is totally new to our, our species, you know, for all of humanity who have not had it until very recently, we had fire. Right? Like think of what fire does to us. All of a sudden you get to push into nighttime. Nowadays, it's like, there's a whole new thing. So it's one thing to be like, is it concussion? But for me, a better question is like, is it light? You know, because for me in my concussion recovery, um, at about the five month mark from my last like big concussion, I could do, I could stand on my hands. I could climb trees. I could be, I could talk to people. I could be hyper-physical within boundaries, right? Like the one thing that I couldn't really do was run because of the high impact to the, the I don't know. Um, and look at a laptop just to receive the light. So uh, there's a huge thing here um, that I, I've believed for a long time holds keys for like the evolution of human consciousness. Um, just because of there's a sense that we've been trapped in these boxes. And it's tough because it's really easy for me to get trapped. Like it's so addictive. Like I look at my cell phone yeah. and like hours will pass by. Literally like you can be like, wow, right? but I'm here. Like I spent so much time inside. <laughs> I spent so much time on my screen, I'm, you know? And it's like, I go outside and it's gorgeous. But eventually we hit this point where we get overwhelmed. We get overstimulated by the outdoors. And we want like a little cave that's safe to curl up in. So you said this is your second con concussion. How many, how many concussions have you had? Are you concussion prone? That's a nice question. Because um, it, it opens the door to like the history of my physical practice. I'll say no, I'm not concussion prone. But I am sensitive. Yeah. Um, my first concussion was in college, actually. I was a senior at Swarthmore. Uh, it was, I played rugby. And 
that took me out for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, and for months, I thought I was just going to be different. Like I forgot that I could be normal. It felt like it's like you're just a different person now. But eventually I became like normal again, right? Like I began, I was practicing yoga. Uh, I started training athletics. Like I began a movement practice with a teacher who was exposing us to all sorts of physical ability and practice. And all of a sudden I was standing on my hands like comfortably for a while. Like, can you imagine standing on your hands for a minute? Like, <laughs> Absolutely not. It's crazy, you know, but you can do that um, with the right training and the right process. It's not that challenging. Like everybody can do it in time. Um, and so I began to feel superpower invincible, you know, and eventually like I got the concussion, the second one, and I kept trying to make it work. I was like, I'm so gifted now. I can handle anything. And then I got the third <laughs> concussion. I was like, I give up. I surrender. Mm. Wait, when was your third one? Um, so my second and third were in April and August of 2019. Oh, so like pretty close together. Yeah. Um, and I took five months off work. Like I, I got a full medical leave because I just couldn't do anything. And I was just coming back to the office when COVID ramped up. Mm -hmm. So there was an interesting thing where I was quarantined. I was like self-quarantined for a long time by virtue of being just so sensitive to the world. And then everyone became sensitive. So yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, so... Yeah, part of the reason why I really wanted to talk to you was because I feel like uh there was a lot of we just had Aaron Madison and there was like it seemed like a lot of parallels between your story and his story. And I I remember seeing you had like this Instagram live at some point where you were talking about like the story about how it felt like you were like in the womb basically while you were recovering. And I felt like that was such an interesting like shift. To, I don't think that most of the time in your adult life, you get something that shifts you out of your normal frame of reference to that degree. Right. Like, obviously, you started, you know, you, you started thinking a lot about light and like the way we're interacting with the world. But I'm curious, like, yeah, in if you could like talk to us a little bit about how going through those recovery periods made you have to think about life differently. Yeah. I love um, the phrase frame of reference because it really touches the heart of my like recovery process, you know, because I had to find a frame of reference that worked and the traditional Western medical one that, I was so close to because I was a software engineer um, um, at a big company in San Francisco. Like research was my primary mode of work. You know, I was like on a computer mm -hmm. a lot, you know? And so it was like, okay, like we can just research it. Like find out what the doctors know and they don't know anything. It turns out they talk a lot. Like there's a lot of like information coming out about like this or like enzyme in the brain and like this thing and that thing. And, but, you know, because of my level of privilege um, as a Google engineer in San Francisco, like I had the money to get any doctor I wanted in theory. Mm -hmm. 
and I needed to because all of a sudden it was like I cannot do it. Like I have no livelihood anymore. Like I cannot do my life anymore. Like no, I just cannot. I like I showed up to the office, you know, the first day, and it was like sitting in the my God, like fluorescent office box, you know. It's like try closing the eyes. It's just like oh, this hurts. And by forty-five minutes in, it's like oh, like I need to go curl up under the stairs. Mm-hmm. Like I cannot, you know. And I was so blessed to have a manager who understood. I went to him and I was like, bro, like, I can like I can't be here right now. Like I, I, I'm my brain. It feels like it's gonna explode. Like there's a fire in my head, and it's melting. Like it feels like my brain is melting. And um, that's how it felt a lot all the time for a while. And um, it's striking the womb metaphor. It's like the one thing that I could do for a long time. The only thing I could do, I'd wake up and it just, everything hurt in my neck. Like there's like fire in the nervous system. And the only thing that worked was to like get into a warm bathtub with the lights off, the door closed, maybe a candle and just like adjust to being alive. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> it's like, okay, I'm alive and I'm in a body and everything hurts. And this water is okay. I can control the temperature. <laughs> and for a while, you know, even food was a challenge, right? So it's like, I came to really appreciate what it is to have all of my external inputs, um, my like external conditions be controlled, right? Like that's what a room is, is like to be held and loved in the darkness, in the blackness. Yeah, and one, and uh, so much of healing since then has come from finding ways to open that container for myself and others. Meditation is the story, right? Like you find some kind of space where your consciousness can just forget that you're in a body, <laughs> basically as best as you can. Um, and even like the eye thing is like you're basically simulating what it is to be held safely. Um, and I'm not sure um, how to like, what I say? so much of my life since then has become this thing of like, eventually you're in the womb so much. <laughs> Like you're talking about, it's like, I want to go outside, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, I feel too comfortable, like I cannot grow. Um, and some of that social pressure, you know, or like ego pressure, like societal conditioning to be like, you got to this, you got to that, you got to pay money, we live in capitalism, and like mm-hmm. global colonial like, enslavement. So it's like, I, I don't know, I feel so like holy in a sense, like blessed um, to have gotten that time period where I was just receiving a salary. I was I had full like medical insurance. So I was like, I didn't have to struggle to make ends meet while I was in that concussion place. And since then, when I've connected with people, this has been the hardest thing. Like I have a friend who got a concussion and like, is awful. Um, she was enrolled in a master's program or something. And because she could no longer complete her courses, she was, like, kicked out of her dorm. Yeah. You know, it was, like, 
she was made homeless, but, but it, it was like, and then, you know, like the way our, our culture <laughs> is structured to support people is, um, it's not, uh, outside of very particular forms of energetic performance. There are so many of those, like, mm-hmm. of these kind of like ties that we have that are, I feel like maybe hard to notice if you're, you know, a quote unquote, like normal functioning member of society, but like so much of our, like, just quality of life depends on our ability to be like, you know, quote unquote productive or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we saw it with COVID and where like people were losing their jobs in mass, which meant they were also losing their healthcare in mass, which is a really bad thing to happen mm-hmm. when there's a global pandemic, <laughs> you know, like, um, yeah. And yeah, so terrible. So how, how long were you kind of like in the womb state where like you, you know, where this was a, a kind of a normal, a normal occurrence for you to have to like sit in the bathtub for a long time? Kind of still, still? Like, to be honest, um, but in degrees, you know, I, I think um, the frame of reference has shifted many times for me. This, the simplest way, you know, is like I began to return to work at five months from my second entry. But for several months after that, it was like super partial and then it was remote. And then it was like I could just clock in a little bit. And so how do I, um, I can rewind. Um, where to begin? Um, I primarily consider disorder of recovery to be the way that I describe concussion today. So in the world of traumatic brain injury, we describe concussion. And so traumatic brain injury is an umbrella that holds a much bigger class of injuries, right? Um, concussion is primarily like a some kind of vibration, like a shaking, whereby the brain itself is harmed by the container around it, the skull which is typically intended to protect it. Like the skull is a womb for our brain, you know? And sometimes you get this like impulse trauma, whether it's whiplash or um, getting hit or a car accident. I mean, one of the things, concussion sensitivity, when the brain is so sensitive, it's like, like I know people who got concussed, like hitting their car, with their head entering, like I opened cabinets to myself. I got so many like micro concussions, you could say in the course of my recovery because I was just so fragile, so sensitive. One way I began to describe it is like, I've got 5% battery charge to describe my like current state of capacity to receive or transmit energy in any form, like even a conversation. Like it turns out a large part of our brain energy capacity is used just to process a vision. Mm-hmm. This is one of the reasons why closing your eyes can be so relaxing. because all of a sudden you don't have to spend like 30, 40, 50% of your brain's glucose throughput on just like object recognition and seeing things. It's like, oh, hmm. <laughs> um, but the thing with concussion is it got to, it, it got to a point where you can only charge up to 10% or 5% or 15%. And so it's like, 
every day is different. Sometimes you do something or you meet someone who just like zaps and then all of a sudden you're at zero and you're like, it just felt like my eyes were burning. Like I want to cry. I want to curl up in a ball, you know, like a, like a toddler throwing a tantrum, except I'm like, you know, like an adult male that people turn to for just expectations. You know, they see this body and they're like, you can do things. And I'm like a wreck of a human being who's just like, feels like vomiting, you know? So it's like, and I don't vomit. Like, it's just a feeling. It's like this awful pleasure. The question of how to continue to recover. Sorry, this is where I started. And then I got kind of setting some stage and now we're on the stage. Um, <laughs> I consider concussion like a disorder of recovery. Because the heart of it is like, you get the injury, but then typically what happens is the after effects that linger for months to years are the brain has like found new pathways. You know, it's like there was a big injury or an earthquake or whatever. And so the bridges break and people learn new ways to navigate. And the brain just doesn't feel safe or the nervous system doesn't feel safe, doesn't whatever, you know. There's one of the things that I noticed really early on is it was like people were like, avoid anything that causes discomfort. And I was like, I will get very quickly accustomed to that. You know, and you know, I, I mean, I know people who, who spend their whole lives kind of like in eggshells because they've been afraid to touch the edge because the edge has burnt them so many times, you know? Um, and I think that's probably a gift from my physical practices, comfort with the edge or maybe an addiction to the edge, <laughs> <laughs> like an addiction to like constantly pushing my own limits and growing in that way. And I mean, it's tough when the, it's like you cannot move your neck without pain, you know, cannot open your eyes, cannot go outside because it'll just ruin your day. You know, like literally like your day is done because you just zap, like time to go to sleep. Um, but yeah, so for me, the question of recovering from today, every night mm. is I think where the um, the medicine of this kind of injury can be universalizable. Because um, it's like, actually, we all suffer from the traumas of life. <laughs> like you know like i don't believe concussion is unique and that it it shakes us up i think just to get into a car is like so intense like, i don't know people tend to take for granted but like go on bart like the subway it's like so intense actually for like an organism like you take a cat like i think of animals as a really good um kind of baseline for us for our biology it's like, why would I leave home if there's food right here? <laughs> like, <laughs> go where for what? Like, you want me to get in this big metal box that's going really fast around the neighborhood? Like, that's terrifying, you know? And so I think we're all used to, over just because of the age we live in, are accustomed to this, like, super high intensity, like, staring at the sun glare flashlight all the time, you know? <laughs> like riding cars and shit like buses and trains and so it's like how we can all recover you know and imagine a better society that's just more at peace and they don't got to stress we can still eat food and hang out cuddle <laughs> um i love you guys thank you for holding this space i'm really grateful to be sharing this 
Uh, Rosie, thank you so much for hanging out with us today, having a cool conversation. I feel like um, we've had, you know, a number of friends come on the show and talk about, like, you know, invisible elements that they have. And it's always so interesting to hear, like, hear how, like, this thing, you know, really dramatically reshapes a person's way of thinking. So I thank you so much for, you know, sharing, sharing your perspective today. Gender, is this on yeah, your side? Yeah, it just started, unfortunately. <laughs> it's okay. Um, we'll just keep it in. I, yeah. I, what? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yo, ambulances and, like, EMT stuff is, like, one of the most... Like, if there's one thing I could shift in our society right now, I would love for the volume on those machines to be modulated in such a way that they're not actively traumatizing the neighborhoods they drive through Mm. Um, because it's like you talk about invisible injuries like sound is one of those pollutants that destroys the fabric of where we are and it's like whoa yeah it's very destabilizing for sure yeah yeah, your whole lived environment is suddenly like you're jolted out of your focus, yeah. your mind space. Well, see, right? now you right. have and to the, keep it in. And the point is to help people. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you yeah. have to keep it in. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> That's true. So, Rosie, what's what's something that um, that you're looking forward to? Something something coming up that you're excited to take part in? <sighs> I'm kind of excited for anybody to hear this. <laughs> Loki, like um to like go to the beach um and meet somebody and tell them just like a little bit about the reflections that I've reawakened in this conversation. Um because I think there's something that happens when we remember our roots that we understand why our branches are growing this way. Yeah. You For know? Sure. Because sometimes it's like, why am I like this? It's like, oh yeah, <laughs> like so I'm like this, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so. Amazing. Yeah. Well, this is your space. I don't know if you have anything that you want to plug, but if you do, you can do it right now. Um. Well, online movement education is a non-trivial part of the way that we can share the gifts that we cultivate in a personal practice with other people. And I think it can be super helpful for anybody who'd like to explore the inner world. Um, There's a lot that I learned in my concussion recovery because my life depended on it. Yeah, I think you can find my website at therazi.com, which is like therapy with a Z. Um, There's not much on there yet because I've been kind of averse to offering myself online for a long time. But if you're still listening at the outro, maybe you like it. I was really hoping you would say that because I feel like literally the only real like exposure 
I have had is like Instagram is always serving me your like, you know, movement play videos. And I I find them really inspiring and awesome. Like I really appreciate your capacity for play. Mm-hmm. And like, I, yeah, I just think it's really cool. Whee! <laughs> yeah, I, it's like a dream come true for me to think that I can play and it's good for people. Um, yeah. Because I love to hold totally. play, play, playful spaces. It's one of my dreams. Like when I was in SF, I had this playhouse. And it's like people come over and there's like balls and things to hang from and things to swing from and to throw at your friends. And like, it's just, I think that the more we can play like kids, um, the more everything gets put in perspective. Yeah. Um, as always, you can find us at I'm the Villain Pod. That's our Twitter, our Instagram, and our Gmail. Otherwise, oh, and go listen to my new podcast. Uh, it's called. Uh, you forgot? Why can't, oh, it's called. <laughs> yeah, I forgot. It's called Three Disc Changer. It's uh, it's a music album review podcast with me and my friends. Um, we'll put it in the show notes. Awesome. Otherwise, bye.